In the world, the things that are the most rare arguably have the most value. Certainly the marketplace sees it that way because of supply and demand. That is an economic truth. The reason people are needy and the effect of that, the second order consequence is it's painful up front to just be a yes man to get the listing, but then the, the, the pendulum like we were talking about swings fully to the other side where it's much more painful throughout the process. You think about going to a doctor a specialist for your elbow and you go in there and you're interviewing him he's interviewing you but at the end of that appointment he doesn't care what your opinion is on surgery right he is going to do it his way and i think so often we bend with whatever they want for those in the live audience next week get ready to uh to join us and i think what we'll do guys is We'll post the topic the night before. So anybody in our oh, live you mastermind, you'll know like, all right, I want to get on the show tomorrow and because I've got something to say about this, that, or the other thing, or right, I want to help to unpack it. So I think that's what we'll start doing. Cool. Yep. All right. So let's get into uh, today's topic, which I think is phenomenal, which is something called equal business stature. It's, it's how to communicate with prospects in a way where you don't come across with A, commission breath, and or B, needy or desperate. It's mm. how, do you, how do you communicate right in the middle? And the best way, and I think I've shared this with both of you guys, but I'll, I'll share it with the audience now, where for me this, this whole conversation starts is a new worldview or a new insight that for whatever reason, I just, I don't know how I, I thought of this. I, it actually came across in a rant when I was outside walking around talking to the camera and it hit me. I'm like, wow, think about this. All right. Check this out. If you think about what is in, in, in the world, the things that are the most rare arguably have the most value. Certainly the marketplace sees it that way because of supply and demand, right? That is an economic truth that no one can debate. And so if you look at that in terms of real estate sales and you say, what is more rare, listings or Ben Riles? What's mm. more rare? And then you start to understand, well, there's a lot more houses for sale then there are Ben Riles in the world. Then you start to look at this completely differently. That actually, we as the real estate agent bring more to the table than a seller brings to the table. That thought alone, where most real estate agents think the exact opposite, they give up so much emotional leverage to the seller and put these sellers on this pedestal. But if you think about it, there's only one of you on the planet. The way in which you do business, the way Colton does business, the way that every agent does business is unique to you. The nuance, the context, how you handle every single conversation, every small little detail, no one will ever be able to compete with you. And therefore, mm -hmm. You bring a unique value proposition that is undebatable that anyone can compete with because you're you and I'm me. 
And you can never mm. be me and I can never be you. But we're, there's a lot of houses for, well, there's not a lot can, in, from a context perspective, but you get it, right? We could go get another listing. They can't go get another Ben Riles. Mm. Yep. And to me, that's where equal, equal business stature begins is that we bring as much to the table, if not more, than the seller brings to us our life and our business. What is your guys' thoughts on that first uh, uh, thought? And then we'll unpack this even more. I mean, you know, the the first thing I can hear agents bringing up or objecting of like, okay, yeah, sure. But like, you know, there's other agents that could say that as well. And like, what, what am I going to do different than the other agents? And I think just the thought of that alone, number one, not many other agents think that way. So if you can mm-hmm. have that presence and that energy of like, kind of like the, that being, and, and not in a disrespectful way, but like being in the FU position, like, dude, I, I don't, I don't need to work with you. I don't need to do anything for anybody. And you'd be lucky for me to serve you. Like not a lot of agents have that mindset. So even if you and another agent do the exact thing to sell the home, right? Price it right, pictures, marketing, all, all the stuff, you know, when you come across in such a way, you're going to give off that energy. Well, watch this. You nailed it. This is, this is exactly what I was what I was thinking too, Colton, to for any agent that might be having those thoughts that you're talking about, like, well, yeah, that's nice to say, but how do I go out there and differentiate myself in, in the marketplace to, to be more appealing so that I win more business? Well, think about this. All right, real quick, and then we'll get right back to the content. If you're a real estate agent, you're looking to build a listing-based business, a business where you can generate a multiple six-figure income, a business that doesn't require you to waste thousands of dollars on the new marketing gimmicks, then I'm going to invite you to click the link right underneath this video to learn about our Listing Agent Academy coaching program. This is a six-month intense coaching system system that more than 3,000 agents from every market all over the country have now gone through. And here's the reality. Here's the truth. I will shoot you straight. This program is not for everyone. This is for agents who value being around winners. They value being in a community of other real estate agents that actually show up, that actually put forth the work. And this is for agents that embrace high levels of accountability and visibility. To get the details, all you have to do is click the link beneath this video. You can schedule a coaching consultation and then you can decide for yourself. So with that being said, let's jump back into the content. What is more appealing in um, human relationship? Somebody that's needy, that's desperate, that is clingy, you like that feeling or is it more seductive? Do you get seduced more by the person who doesn't give you the time of day mm. that that doesn't look at it as a big deal that, you know, you right. It's, it's the easiest analogy, like the whole dating thing. You know, that is the best analogy we can use to bring that into this world of real estate sales. The one that is less attached less desperate, always has more influence over the other person emotionally. Always, 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 always. And that's what we're talking about. Why would that be any different? Because we're talking about humans. We are talking about human influence. 
And sales is just a manifestation of human influence. Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Well, before we, we go on even further, like just on your first point, I, I was sitting here thinking like that is the whole reason I got into real estate. I was having a little flashback of having the conversation with my wife and her saying, well, why do you, why do you want to get into real estate? There's a million real estate agents. What, why do you want to do that? And I said, I'm tired of selling this product and people telling me, Ben, I like you, but I didn't sell cars, but I'm not a Ford guy. Like you're mm. great, but I don't want a Ford. I want a Cadillac and me being like, gosh, okay, fair enough. And looking at real estate as the opportunity to be, Hey, they've got the product. I can come in and position myself. Um, and then we get into the equal business stature, but that was just my quick flashback of why I even got in because of the opportunity for equal business stature and to be able to earn the business for who I am, not because of the product. Yeah, that's a great point. That's why I like service-based selling too versus selling yeah. a product. Because yeah, yeah you, you could be, you could have, you could do everything right, but it comes down to the product. I, I don't like that either. I like being in in control of selling a service because what they're buying is you, right? And Absolutely. again, going back to who brings more to the table, who actually has more to bring to the relationship, and. It, the, the truth, this isn't like me trying to manipulate or manufacture this cute little saying. It is true that a real estate agent, good, bad, or indifferent, there's only one of them on the planet. So mm. the fact is that that agent, good or bad, brings actually more to the table than the seller brings. Because that agent can go get another listing, but that seller can't get another one of those agents. That's the point. Mm. Yeah. And, and that's the truth. That's not me trying to get cute. You know, right. there's only and, one of you. And the agent has what the seller wants. You know, like the agent has more of what the seller wants than the seller has what the agent wants. Right. You know, mm. like go deeper on that. Thing, yeah, there, there, that, there's that one seller with that one listing, right? And the seller, so the agent wants that one listing, but they can go out and get more listings. Well, from that seller's perspective, the agent is the gateway to what they want, which is all of the buyers. And so the seller can't go out and get a buyer as easily as an agent can go out and get a listing. That's right. Mm. That's right. So equal business stature is, is essentially this. It says that in a business relationship, like agent or seller, that the playing field is equal. That it's not one above the other, that the... And, and practically speaking, it's that the decision to do business is one that is mutually decided on. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing that I think a lot of real estate agents, because we're commission-based, because most agents you know, sell four or five houses a year, that is probably the most difficult thing for people to wrap their head around because they're so used to, and, and it's, it is true, right? We're setting up to interview to win the business. But at the same point, to have equal business stature, we have to approach that process like they're not better than us, nor we're better than them. It's equal in that mm. it's up to us to take the listing as much as it is the seller giving you the listing. It's a mutual thing. That, mm. to me, is the definition or the foundation of equal business stature. Absolutely. And being, I think, a lot of times... Because in our business, 
other businesses, other products you're selling, it's really easy to say, I'm not going to go through with the pitch or I'm not going to sell this guy because he isn't qualified, aka doesn't have the money to do X, Y, Z. And in our business, realtors, I see having a really hard time either sitting down with a prospect that's not qualified. You find out that they have a relationship with a realtor that they're committed to. You find out that they're like, you just can't come to terms on pricing and realtors are so quick to give up all of that equal business stature and just do whatever it is the, you know, prospect client wants them to do just to get the business and not right. be willing to walk away. And I think that for me is like a big key getting into this is saying, Hey, let's make sure this is a fit both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Spot on. The willingness to walk away creates seduction. It mm. creates a world where somebody, you, you become more appealing to the seller, the less needy you are. Mm -hmm. And the more aggressive you come on to, you know, I'll do whatever it takes, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Seller. I'll do whatever you want me to do. As long as you give me the listing, Dude, nobody wants to, nobody wants that. That's not very attractive. Quite no. frankly, it's re, it's it's repelling. Mm -hmm. That's the commission breath. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, I will whore myself out. I will do whatever you want me to do for as little money as possible. Please, Mister Seller, give me the listing. Please, right? Mm. It's that neediness that repels sellers from doing business with people or worse yet yeah. you How does it get, get worse the yeah that's even worse you get say. the business like that oh yes. you're you're done yeah. for if right. you win a seller on desperation good yeah. luck that seller is and going to treat you like the mule like that you are and they're going to you're they're going to work your rear end off until you never want to sell a house again. And you've spoken and, and dive deeper on this if, if you think it it relates second order consequences. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can, second can order consequences. Can you tell us about that? 100 percent So let's talk about the 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 agent that that wins business off neediness or desperation. And this is first order consequence or or, or um really delaying gratification, wanting instant gratification. Another form of buying business is to go in there and take a listing that is overpriced and under commissioned. It's just another form of buying business or instant gratification or neediness, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I need it. I'll do whatever, whatever it takes. Just fine. Give me the listing. I don't care what you price it at. I don't care what condition it's at. And I don't care what you pay me. I just want the listing. Well, that's like the definition of neediness behavior. Now, the second order consequence to that is this. Now you get the listing. The seller says, fine, Mr. Mule, you want this listing? All right, you need to discount it to nothing. I'm going to overprice it like crazy. I'm going to never let you show it. And when you do show it, I want you at every showing. I want you to paint the house. I want you to clean the house. You better be, I want the windows, you know, uh, spotless and if not, I'm going to fire you. And you end up with a needy client because you set it up that way. That's blowing you up night yeah. and day. 
won't mm-hmm. respect you whatsoever, walks all over you. Kids, I don't care you got kids. You better be at my house Sunday morning washing the windows, boy. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you end up with. And then you end up with a unmotivated seller that never has any anticipation of actually selling the house. It's just mm-hmm. they want to watch you work. Well, you mm-hmm. said you could sell it at whatever price I want. So get me some results, little mule, right? That's the second order consequence of being needy, being desperate. You end up picking up the scraps Hmm. when all of the premium listings go to those agents that don't need anything. They want Hmm. the business. It's a big difference between wanting and needing. Hmm. Mr. Seller, I want your business, but I don't need your business. Go ahead, Colton. Well, and it's kind of what we talked about yesterday. Like the reason people are needy and 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 like the the effect of that, the second order consequence is it's less painful up front to just be a yes man to get the listing, yes. but then the 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 pendulum, like we were talking about, swings fully to the other side where it's much more painful throughout the process. Whereas if you just did what you're avoiding, which is asking that uncomfortable question, you know, inducing some more pain up front by possibly losing the listing or coming from a position of being a little more skeptical. Like that is one of the best ways to get rid of neediness. And and we talk about this a lot is just kind of coming from a stance of being a little more skeptical. Like, well, is that an option just to, just to stay here? Right. Like, and, and just being more skeptical and it might be a little more comfortable or uncomfortable up front, more painful, but the process of actually working with the client is going to be easier, if you will, less painful. Yeah. Um, instead of instead of being in the business of talking people into things, right? We're, we're in the business of talking people out of things, and that person needs to be the one to pull from us. No, no, I I really am motivated to sell. No, no, no. Let's price it lower. You're right. Like you want the sellers to be the one doing this. Now, the other thing is this: the cause of neediness. And you just reminded me of this, Colton. The cause of that behavior of desperation, of commission breath, is due to a lack of pipeline. It's due Mm. to a lack of opportunities. Because the agent right now who says, yeah, easy for you guys to say, I need to pay my bills. So yeah, I got to go out there and do whatever it takes. Well, what is the cause? What is the root cause of this Mm. symptom? And that is due to a empty pipeline. And why do they have an empty pipeline? Because they don't prospect. Mm. And so to operate truly from a place of, of, of abundance, you have to have a full pipeline. There's two examples. There's two agents. There's the agent who prospects every single day, has 30, 40 conversations with potential clients every day. I don't care where they come from. I don't care if it comes from your content, door knocking, calls, referrals, don't care. You got one agent that has lots of conversations. And as a result, they have a full pipeline. And as a result of that full pipeline, they've got five, six, seven scheduled listing appointments this week. That agent can be very picky and choosy in the business in which they choose to service. Then the other agent who rarely prospects, who rarely finds themselves in proactive lead generation. They just pick up the scraps. This is the average agent, right? Selling four houses mm-hmm. a year. They have to take whatever they get. They can't operate from abundance because they're truly living a scarce business. They only go on three listing appointments a year. 
So yeah, they have to give foot rubs at the end of every listing presentation <laughs> to get the business. It's like, well, that's why. So in order to be abundant, to have mm. equal business stature, to be picky, to come from a place of value, not come from a place of neediness, you have to have a full pipeline. So you can mm. say no to the listing that is overpriced, to the house that has a, a seller that is unmotivated. You have a seller that's not flexible. You have a seller that's just an absolute pain in the ass to deal with. Only someone who has a full pipeline can say no and walk away. Mm -hmm. But if you're desperate and you haven't had a listing in four months, you're going to find yourself in a position to say yes to anything. And that's the mm -hmm. foundation of being able to operate equal business stature. Mm. It's, it's awesome. Could, so, could I... Could I take take it in a little different direction of just um, maybe different types of of equal business stature in the fact of like who it's easier to get that with and who not? Um, yeah. Something that that came to mind for me was working because the business it just forever. It's all about database, database, database when you're getting in friends and family. Um, and I think sometimes it. It, it's an uphill battle to get that equal business stature with your friends and family as you get into the business, right? Those people, they know you, they like you, they trust you, but they might not respect you in real estate yet because yep. you just got out of college. You just changed careers. They know you as a teacher. They know you as a plumber. They know you as an accountant. They don't, an engineer, whatever. They don't know you as a realtor yet. And we go in there and maybe have some skills, but unable to land that because they still think of you differently. Where, as if we go in with a stranger, we have a really good process that we learned. We have a, a good communication skills. All they know of you is what you're presenting to them and taking them through. You're not fighting that uphill battle of they in the back of their head. They're like, this is, and I've got a great follow-up story for this, but this is little Johnny. Uh, like I've followed him forever, right? And I might give him the business, but you know, at the same time, I'm I'm a little uneasy because you know I've I've known him and every little thing about him. What are your thoughts? I used to on change that? his diaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to change your diaper, little Johnny. And this is my biggest asset, and you're telling yeah. me you know how to sell it. Yeah. So it's a great point, and so yeah, tactically speaking. In order to set up equal business stature, the way in which mm -hmm. we need to do that is to really speak not in terms of trying to convince somebody to give us their business, but quite the opposite. It's almost mm -hmm. to speak against our own interest. And mm -hmm. the way in which we do that is by communicating two things. Number one, we're not for everyone. Mm -hmm. So little cousin Johnny that's talking to Uncle John, they used to change my diapers and wipe my butt. It's like Uncle John... You know me as your nephew, but in this world, I believe I owe you a, a professionalism that you probably haven't seen from me before. And that will mm. result in one of two things. One being that we find that doing business doesn't make sense, which is a possibility. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I'm totally fine with that. Because at the end of the day, I want to protect our relationship over making a commission check. Now, mm. when you say that to Uncle John, he's going to be like... Wow, Susie, little cousin Johnny, I went from wiping his butt. This dude's a real professional. 
Yeah. That's the tactical scripting around creating the perception of equal business stature. Because what does every other real estate agent do? Johnny, I can't wait to, Uncle John, I can't wait to come over. You're going to love what I have to offer. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so honored to sell your guys' house. And, and Uncle Johnny's like, oh, geez, babe, should we do this? Should we give this to little, you know? And it's like, yeah. because that's convincing language. It's like, yep. of course you're saying all these different things, right? Only Ooh. somebody that has a incentive because you're going to get this big old commission check that's the commission breath we're talking about. So drop, stop stinking of commission breath and bring let me, up. Let me share. Well, Go just ahead. lastly, just bring up the reality, the fact, Colton, yeah. that we might not be a good fit to work together. And yeah. it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. That could be a possibility. And so when you bring that up with somebody, they can't help but be attracted to you. They can't help want to work with you even more. Go ahead, Ben. I was just going to say on the Uncle Johnny thing, when I first got into sales and whatnot at a young age, I went on an appointment and I didn't at the time know this is what the advice that this early mentor of mine was giving me. But we walked into the appointment. He was he was shadowing me to, to assist. And um, after the appointment, he gave me some feedback because we were meeting with somebody that that I knew. And he said, he said, Ben, and this was me giving up that equal business stature from the first moment of walking into that appointment. I said, Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for, for having me today. This is so-and-so, you know, we're here. I'm, we're excited to meet with you. And when we got in the car after that appointment, he's like, Ben, you are a professional now. You need to stop, right? As a kid, Mr. Johnson, my dad would look at me if you didn't say yes, sir, no, sir, to give you a little context. I grew up in, you know, below the Mason Dixon line. And it's, hey, like if you don't address and show some respect, like there, there's consequences. So that was wired in me. But so in that good. moment, you know, early Gary gave me that piece of advice. And he's like, don't ever do that again. You you need to maybe outline it kind of like you did. Like, hey, I recognize the past. I recognize where we are now. But Brandon, like, we're here to talk about some some real stuff here. So that was that was an important shift for me in my sales career. Oh, it's it's great. It, it, that's such a great story to illustrate exactly what we're talking about. And the the thing is that we have to be careful about what we're not talking about is um like having an ego or thinking that we're mm. better or, you know, um, coming across arrogant. That's, that's yeah. what I'm looking for, right? We're or talking entitled. about titles or entitled prospect doesn't owe us anything. All we're talking about is equaling the playing field. That's mm -hmm. all we're talking about. Because again, it is my belief that the more you come across that you don't need anything from them, that you'd like the opportunity to earn their business, but you don't need it that's probably the healthiest place to land. Mm. And in my own life, in my own experience, that is the quality of a professional that people are looking for. The fact that people can bring up the fact that, you know, there are times where it doesn't make sense for us to work together is someone that you can trust versus always the, 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 the sleazy salesperson 
who only talks about why we should work together, that is the whole thing around confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, of course, Colton, you're talking about why I should do this thing. Because why? Oh, that's right. Because you get paid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whether, whether it's good for me or not, it's good for you. So of course mm -hmm. you speak in terms of your own interest, but what about mine? And then the salesperson that can do the exact opposite builds rapport, builds trust, builds credibility, earns the respect from the prospect. And so let's get even more tactical for a minute. It's like when I'm having a conversation with a prospect, you know, this comes up most often around the question, Ben, that you posed at the beginning of the podcast, which is, well, what are you going to do different? You know, what are you mm -hmm. going to do different? And I think why a lot of agents, hire you. <laughs> why should I hire you? You know, a lot of agents really struggle with that answer, you know, truly. And if you think about this and you get out of your own head, you do everything different. Hmm. Everything you do is different than every other realtor. What we're thinking, what happens is this. People are so analytical, quite frankly, that when they hear that question, their head goes to professional photos, lockbox, sign, websites. Where my head goes to is how I handle an inbound offer, mm -hmm. how I handle a conversation with another agent, how I'm going to handle the fact of coordinating the process from the time you say, let's go to the time we're on the market. And that will be completely different than any other agent. You guys know how crazy I am about, this is where my control freak actually pays dividends. Because I'm such an over communicator, and I don't know if it drives you two nuts or not, but because of that, I got that way because of listing property. Because I know that seller's anxiety is so high that I am a, I'm like an hour by hour update guy because I am so obsessed with proactive communication that the very thought of someone saying, Hey, uh, what's going on? I look at that as failure. And so I don't know where I'm going with that story. I kind of just lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> But like just setting up equal business stature, oh, means like, what do you do differently, right? Yeah, why should and I then, hire you? Yeah, yeah. why should I hire you? Well, to be able to say, well, I'm honestly, I don't know that you should. Right. Because mm -hmm. if you think about this, here's the thing, watch. Everyone in the, in the comments, I can just hear them right now. Yeah, cute, easy for you to say, watch, just stick with me on this. I don't know that you should, because if I sit here, Colton, and try to sell you on all the reasons why you should, it's probably what most other agents are telling you. Would that be fair? Yep. Like if I sat here and gave you a huge sales pitch, you should hire me because of this, because of this, because of this, because of this. Mr. Seller, how much of that are you going to believe? Truly. How much of that are you going to be able to put aside and say, that's BS, or you're just telling me what I want to hear? Now it starts to resonate with the, with the prospect. It says, guy's spot on. Wouldn't it be safe to say that we don't know whether or not you should hire me, nor if I should hire you, quite frankly, mm -hmm. until we do what adults do. And adults have a meeting to determine whether or not a working relationship has any value for one another or not. And so I don't want to make any promises to you, nor would I ask you to make any promises to me. 
What I am asking, and I think what could make sense, is us to have a meeting to discover Mm. if a working relationship is to be had or not. And I'm good either way, and I'm sure you're good either way. And I think that approach, you guys, is exactly what a real seller is looking for. Yeah, and and even the next step, like when you're when you're with a seller and you are there, right, and you're presenting and kind of going through everything, I think something that helps a lot of our agents that makes their businesses different, it, whether you coach with us or not, this is important to have our value propositions, right? Yes. Like not not going through, well, I, I do this checklist and I do these photos. It's like exactly what you just said there. And here's the reason why I have these value propositions because you don't know that I'm going to follow through. And I don't know That's if right. you're going to, you know, and so if you can present your, those things you do different in terms of magical value propositions instead of, you know, mulish tactics and strategies, mm. it positions you much better. Yeah. And you think of, you think about going to a doctor a specialist for your elbow and you go in there and you're interviewing him, he's interviewing you. But at the end of that appointment, he doesn't care what your opinion is on surgery, right? He is going to do it his way. And I think so often we bend with whatever they want. Oh, this guy wants that. Sure. I'll do that. Versus saying, no, these are my principles. This is the process I follow. And if we don't align and agree on that, you know, maybe you should go see somebody else, but acting as an advisor, a specialist, and being willing to say, hey, this is the way I do it. And if that doesn't align with you, that's cool. There's agents out there that will do it the way you want them to do it. That's yeah. right. And being being okay and walking away, because here's the thing, those standards, you just prompted this, those standards aren't for the the agent's ego, the standards is to protect the client's experience because the client doesn't know what they don't know. They're not the expert. The agent Mm -hmm. that just crumbles at the knees and just does, you know, appeases to the seller's every want, that's not always what's best for the seller. Mm. You ever think about that? You know, it's like, here's, here's a great example. And I wanted to talk about this in a whole episode and maybe we will, but like (laughs) discounting commission is the greatest Mm. example of this, right? It's easy on the surface to say, well, certainly discounting the commission is what's best for the seller, right? No, it is not. Here's why. Because discounting the commission, here's another second order consequence. Nobody Mm. thinks about this. But here's what happens in real life. I'll give you, there's a lot of downside for the seller, in an agent discounting their commission. Certainly it's it's bad for the agent. I'm talking about this is bad for the seller. And here's why. Because the agent who discounts her commission to get the business doesn't put forth the same amount of effort for a property where they're getting a full commission. That's hard to measure on a spreadsheet because that agent, she's sitting there resenting this because she's saying, well, Like I had to, this is the way I had to get the business. And as a result of not putting forth her greatest effort, like you would want to perform if someone was paying you more money, results in the seller's net bottom line. Mm -hmm. That's what it results in. The agent cuts corners on marketing, cuts corners on negotiations because they just want to get this deal done. They cut corners on what they normally would do that has a direct impact on how much the seller nets. 
Because it's not mm-hmm. what you pay, right? Price is what you pay, value is what you get. And mm-hmm. so the argument of, okay, if I discount my commission, that then increases the seller's net bottom line is not a direct correlation. It is not a true statement. Yeah. Mm. And nobody thinks about that because they think, okay, if I hire Brandon Colton or Ben, all those mules do the exact same thing. So if I sell the house at 200K right. and I pay Brandon six, Colton five, and Ben four, Ben's the obvious choice. I can do math. Yeah, yep. I know. But you don't They're know. They're comparing apples to apples. Yeah. Well, they don't know the agent this is. The agent doesn't know, and nor does the seller, what happens behind that decision. Mm-hmm. What is the second order consequence for the seller hiring Ben at 4%? Because they're just doing some calculation. Well, what if Ben can only sell the house at 186? Yeah. They don't know that. What if no. Ben doesn't have a strategy to generate buyers that have that are of the highest qualifications? They don't know that. Mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. making the decision off of a percentage. Well, 4% seems lower than 6%. What if they don't know how Ben handles offers? They don't know that Brandon has an upsell offer that Ben doesn't have. They don't know that Brandon has an event strategy that Ben doesn't. They don't know any of that, mm. right? And this is where agents are getting really mixed up, and this is where sellers are losing. Yeah, I, I think they're looking at it like um, I, I'm on Amazon, and this product is the exact same. That's and right. there's one at six dollars, one at five, and one at ten. And I'm just going to commoditize this whole process and pick the cheapest one, not knowing that the the features and benefits, because you can't articulate all of them. You can't. Well, yeah. You know what? You know what's interesting, though, is for whatever reason, our the the agents in real estate have the toughest time with this, but other services don't like right. what? Why is it true that you get what you pay for? It like is very prominent in other industries, just not ours. Like, like, like. Here's what I here's what I know. If you need to get surgery on your arm because you broke your arm, I promise. Part of the process is not finding the orthopedic surgeon that charges the least. I promise. <laughs> That's yeah. not on the equation with you and your wife, or you and your husband, or you and your child. All right, we're going to go meet with 10 orthopedic surgeons and we're going to pick the one who charges the least. It's not yeah. even a it's not even a consideration. <laughs> it's just not. You know, and the same thing with an attorney. If you're literally like I don't even want to I don't want to make this too dramatic, but let's just say you're facing like some serious charges. All right, we'll just we'll just we'll we'll keep it financially. Ten years, fine. You're facing ten years in prison. I promise you're not saying to yourself, "Okay, I got to find the attorney who's going to cut the most corners and give me the best deal." No, no, no. Yeah. You're saying what's better the call att- saw? Yeah, better call saw. I'm looking for the attorney to keep me out of prison. I don't care how much it costs. Okay, CPAs, same thing. I'm looking for the CPA to minimize as much tax exposure as possible, right? Mm. You're not looking for the CPA to save you the most money. Yeah, go do TurboTax. Go ahead. Go do that. And then look at a CPA and see how much money you actually saved. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, Anyways, the, I digress. The other thing is, like, in real estate, 
relative to any other business, it's so easy to get into. It's so easy to deliver. Yeah. You know, and, and like another example, my neighbors next door. So we, uh, we're getting our patio put in, in a couple of months here. And last year, my neighbors got their patio put in and I know what I'm paying for mine. And I've seen some of the other houses and what they look like. And it's beautiful. It's really nice. And my neighbor got his, his put in uh, last year. And I was just kind of talking to him about, you know, how, you know, how much was yours and what are they all doing? And the product kind of explained the price. So, you know, it was like much cheaper, but they, you know, the product itself wasn't good. They didn't clean up the mess. They didn't move his sprinklers. And so, like you said, I mean, the thing is you do pay or you do get what you pay for in these other industries because there's a direct correlation between how difficult the job is and how difficult it was to get in that position versus the product you get. Yeah. I got a quite, I got a, here, all right. Thank you for calling on me, Mr. Fisher. Here's <laughs> all right. So, so for every agent, this might be a good place to, to, uh, put a bow on this. Let me give all of the agents in the audience a practical takeaway because everyone's like, cool, 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 cool. What do I say? How do I do that? All right. So watch this. This is the best way to position yourself as an authority, as a person of high value. So when you're talking to clients, when you're talking to sellers, you can you can use labeling to get people to mm. comply with placing high value on the agent that doesn't discount. Here's what you would here's what it could sound like, right? If I'm talking to Colton, I can say Colton, listen. If you want the agent who literally charges the least amount of money, I'm not your guy. I'm going to shoot you straight. But if you're like my other clients who value working with a professional who's going to put the most money in their pocket, then I think it's worth a conversation. Now, I don't want to assume anything, but let me just ask you, you know, which of those are most important to you? Now, it is very difficult for the prospect to just say, well, yeah, I just want to pay the least. I don't care how much it goes in my pocket. You see what I've done there. That to me is the best way to approach a conversation using labeling and third-party stories so the person doesn't feel attacked. There's no reason for them to get defensive. I'm saying, what do my past clients value? If you're the type of person who wants to pay the least amount of money, I'm not your guy. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of agents out there. I can refer you to them that will charge you next to nothing to list your house. But if you're looking to hire a professional, someone who's going to put the most in your pocket, net bottom line, then I think it's worth a conversation. Not assuming I'm the guy, not assuming you should hire me, but it's worth a conversation. So now what have I done? I'm selling value, not price. And that's how we do it. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, those that stood around for our our jibber jabber got the goods at the end. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> so hopefully that made sense. Uh, guys, thank you so much. Tomorrow is Friday, which is our weekly housing market update with Mr. Steve Frost. He's like our chief economist at our company. That's kind of what he's turned into. So uh, the three of us, the three Coneheads, will be back with you guys on Monday. But you guys, let's finish out the week strong. And we'll see you guys soon. Appreciate your time and attention.